Hello and welcome to the Supply Chain Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today and don't forget to come back every Friday for new episodes featuring leaders in the supply chain. On this week's episode, I'm joined by Dennis King, the CEO at Solace. Solace helps enterprises become real-time by giving them everything they need to make their business operations event-driven. And we'll get more into that later on in the podcast. So thank you, Dennis, firstly, for coming on the podcast. Could you please just introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about Solace and kind of the services that you provide? Yes. Yeah, so thanks. Thanks, Emily, for having me. Real pleasure being here. Uh, yeah. As, as you said, my name is Dennis King. I am the CEO of Solace. I've been I've been with Solace from really from the beginning for about 15 years. And, you know, basically we help customers digital transform. But really, what does that mean? It really means helping them become more agile, more real time and more event driven. And we'll get more into what does that really mean as we as we go through this. Um, in terms of, um, you know, what do we do for our customers, um, you know, specifically in the supply chain, uh, we focus on three major things. Um, we focus on, number one, connectivity. If you look across supply chain, uh, there are many different entities, right, from suppliers to uh, inventory, management, warehouses, production, manufacturing, transportation, logistics. There's a ton of systems around the entire environment. And providing some form of application connectivity is the number one uh, piece to the puzzle to help getting the information to flow. The second thing we really do is helping people liberate that information. So if you can imagine in a large enterprise company, they have these uh, CRM systems, which is the customer relationship systems. They have ERP systems. They have SCM systems, supply chain management systems. And it's really about getting the information in motion so that you can actually take action on, on the data and on the events. And the last piece is visibility. It's taking action on a series of events as they happen. So correlating events across the entire supply chain. So putting those three things together, um, the Solace technology platform really helps enable these things and helps sort of modify and transform the entire uh, supply chain into more of a digital modern world. Amazing. Yeah, thank you for going over that. And something I'm, I'm interested to kind of dive into is this term kind of event-driven architecture. Um, this is something that I've actually never heard of before. So this really piqued my interest. Um, can you kind of explain what this means and also kind of in particular relation to the supply chain and also just how these are managed and uh, what you provide with, within that? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, event-driven architecture is a bit of a, 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 has some mystique. It's a bit of a mysterious term that, you know, a lot of people don't fully understand, but it's actually been around for more than 20 years. It's been you know, it's been the lifeblood of, of investment banking, capital markets and, and gaming and areas where there's been a hypersensitivity to being real time. Um, but really, event driven architecture is a mindset. It's an architectural pattern and it's a mindset in terms of how do you build out your systems end to end? I mean, if you think about the world we've grown up in, if you if you think about the Internet, right, how does the Internet work? You go to a URL, you type in, you ask it what you want. And when you ask it what you want, it gives you back. Uh, what you're asking for. So it's more of a request reply model. And that is a that is a pattern in itself. Um, and, you know, if you check the weather, it doesn't tell you when it changed. If you check your bank account and how much money is in it, it doesn't change. It doesn't tell you when it's changed from 100 bucks to 101 bucks. However, in event driven architecture, it's a completely different world where you're being notified in real time exactly when something happens. And so if you think about that mindset and you apply it to a large enterprise, it starts to transform how the applications are built. It transforms how applications react. And you can start to imagine an architecture or an environment where um, everything is generating events as they happen. 
and applications are sensing and reacting to those events as they happen. And that's a fundamental difference in a pattern from the world that we've grown up in. And, you know, Internet of Things and all these newer uh, modern approaches are really driving event-driven architecture. And we're seeing it now become more mainstream. And one of those areas is actually in supply chain. And so with supply chain, there's all sorts of examples. I mean, you can imagine if there's a, uh, a ship, a container, a vessel that has, you know, thousands of containers on it. If you're only processing what's in those containers when that ship arrives at port, you are already behind. And if you have perishable goods in those, in those containers and you don't know the temperature of those, of those goods only until they get to the port, then you're already behind and you're taking actions way late. And there's all sorts of downstream implications to knowing that information late. And so there's all sorts of examples in terms of uh, where event-driven architecture and events being emitted in real time can help. Another example is connected car. We're seeing a big push in that area. Obviously, cars have a massive supply chain, specifically in, in raw materials and goods for the product of the car itself. And having a car connected so that events are streaming from the systems on the car in real time to the manufacturers, they can actually start generating parts in advance of you actually bringing the car in. So you can start to see the efficiencies of that real-time nature of information. So it's really just a pattern. It's a mindset, but it's actually transforming how enterprises are building out their digital transformations, which is a, a pretty big deal. Yeah, definitely. And I'm glad you kind of touched on that there. And also you, you spoke about kind of how it was used in gaming and you spoke about like the digital age of how things are coming about now. And I'm interested to touch on kind of technology and what role this plays in event-driven architecture and kind of... Um, if it um, replaces these kind of legacy processes um, that, that have been used in the past? Yeah, you know, we can, we can certainly dive into the technology. And, and I really think of it, even when I think of technology, there's, there's, two, there's two parts to it. There's, there is the approach, and the approach is very technology-centric in that, in, specifically in supply chain, the, the, the mindset for a long time has been to you know, figure out the supply chain. There's a lot of distributed suppliers within the supply chain. Then figure out the transportation logistics separately. Then figure out the manufacturing and inventory management separately. And there has been some technology advances in each of those areas, but the problem is we have this concept now of ponds. You know, each one of these are a pond and neither of them are talking to one another. And so if you can't bring them together into some common, uh, common connected framework, then you can't really make sense of your end-to-end -end supply chain. So, so technology, and one of the things that we push is this idea of a supply chain event mesh that really connects the ponds together and brings the whole end-to-end -end world uh, together so you can make sense of the full end-to-end -end, um, uh, supply chain. The second thing is a little more into the details, which is this concept called batch. I mean, batch processing and file distribution of information has been around for three decades. And what does batch mean? Well, it, it means what it means in the word. It's when you take a bunch of information, you batch it up, and you don't notify a downstream system until, until some time later. And that time later uh, could be a minute, it could be a day, it could be a week. So you can imagine if things are given to you end of day, you can imagine what sort of ramifications that could have on your inability to create efficiencies in your supply chain. Um, you know, and, and as you get into more mission critical um, use cases, 
where the, you're getting into like the ever given ship and uh, tracking the wind and tracking what's happening in the flow of ships through the Suez Canal, you can start to see that if you can't see what's happening and predict it in advance of it happening, you can't take action fast enough. And so this batch processing of information and finding out, finding about it late in the game is a huge problem. So event-driven architecture is really shifting away from batch and shifting more toward event-driven architecture where everything that happens in your ecosystem is an event and that event is driving action. And that's really what you want. Yeah, definitely. And and from that, I kind of um, start to think about um, data and how this is used within um, event-driven architecture and kind of um, leads me on to thinking about, you know, these keywords like transparency and visibility and such. And so I'm wondering, um, how do we use event tracking to, to kind of gain visibility within the supply chain? And which, which are the key areas that this can be found in? Yeah, I think there's lots of, I mean, just uh, maybe I'll just use some examples. Um, mm -hmm. uh, if you think, if you really break down the different areas of supply chain, you can break it down into there are producers of information and there are consumers of information. Um, and it's a full end-to-end -end ecosystem of just that. And if you look at, I mean, one of the public stories we can speak about is, is Unilever. Uh, they launched a, um, a, a concept called the virtual ocean. And if you think of Unilever, a massive CPG shop, they have anywhere, they have somewhere in the area of, um, of um, thousands of thousands of containers across 1,200 different ships across multiple oceans at any given time that they're tracking um, through the various um, uh, channels uh, around the world. And, you know, their main goal is to try to minimize what they call demerage charges and detention charges. And demerage charges is all about, um, you know, delays at the port. If you're at the port too long with a container, that costs money. If you uh, have an empty container and you have a container too long and you're holding on to it too, for too long, that costs money. And the whole virtual ocean is around lowering those charges. And, and those charges can be in the millions of dollars. And they do that by connecting up all of the containers and connecting up all of the ships and tracking them very closely so that they can make adjustments to when people will arrive in ports. They can make adjustments on empty containers. And so these are the kinds of examples that event tracking can provide. Uh, another example is we work with, uh, I, won't, I can't say the name, but some of the largest um, consumer manufacturing companies in the world that build uh, consumer goods. And uh, you can imagine when um, you know, Black Friday happens and there's a massive spike in purchases of a particular product, People want to know when they're going to receive that product, right? And uh, this particular company connected up all of their contract manufacturing sites uh, around the world, many of which are in China, and started streaming quality control data from the production runs of the product that's being built in real time to multiple analytic engines around the world, again, using a supply chain event mesh. And to do that was giving them the ability to correlate the production runs with the purchasing of the product itself. And so if you were to buy a device or a television or whatever the consumer good is, you will be able to know in real time whether there's a big issue in your production run. They were taking multiple days to figure that out. Now they're doing it in minutes, you know, and that's a huge difference in. So the event tracking of that whole manufacturing environment is significant, right? And these are the kinds of things that event-driven architecture can bring to the supply chain. Amazing. Thank you. I mean, thinking about all this is kind of um, part of a, kind of the digital transformation that we're going through now, especially within the supply chain sector, um, and kind of thinking about 
a digital supply chain in itself. Um, I'm wondering what your opinions are on kind of how we strive towards a more and hopefully a completely digital supply chain. Yeah, I think I think a lot of organizations are in a different a different time in their in their journey of digitization, and it can mean different things to different different people. And you know, I would say that the, there's probably four, maybe three to four points on this. Uh, I think the first point, and I started with this point, was around connectivity, and I mean application connectivity. Um, I don't mean networking and infrastructure. I mean, do you have access to your systems for, for which things are happening? And so I think that's point number one. You have to figure out where your systems are and you have to figure out how you can tap them. And that's a big part of what number two brings, which is the supply chain event mesh. It's, it's bringing that sort of application connectivity. The third area is around this concept called uh, digital twin or supply chain digital twin. The concept of a digital twin has been around for quite some time. Amazon's been pushing it for quite some time. But I think digital twin in the context of supply chain is relatively new. And that really starts to bring together the information. And so think about, think about creating a digital version of your entire supply chain. And once you do that, you have information coming into one location. And that could be supplier information. It could be manufacturing production run information. It could be inventory information coming into one location and so once you have that in a digital format, then you can start to do, you can start to make sense of the information, you can start to correlate information, and ultimately you can start to take action. And the fourth area, which I think is uh, more on the sophisticated side, it's, it's a relatively new concept as well, which is the, the supply chain control tower. And I know Gartner has been pushing this recently as well. And we're starting to see more of this. Um, and really that's, that's the, you know, that's the nirvana. That's where you want to be. Because the digital twin, in some cases, you know, there'll be a digital twin for suppliers, there'll be a digital twin for the, uh, the transportation track and trace logistics, and there'll be a digital twin for the infrastructure or the uh, inventory um, and, and, and warehousing component. The supply chain control tower really brings all of this together so that you really do have one place where you can track your entire end-to-end -end and that's where you start to get into, into predictability and, and preventative style uh, analytics and AI and ML. And, and so that's a long journey, uh, but it really starts back to connectivity. If you don't have access to your systems and even in those, you know, some in today's world, some of those suppliers are very remote and very difficult to get connectivity to. And then you have other areas which are in the cloud and you have areas on premise. If you can't solve that problem, then you can't really get access to the information. And that's, that's step one. So there's a lot of work to be done, but I think um, you know, with, with the push in e-commerce and, and COVID and, and other, uh, other uh, things happening in, in the world today, we're seeing a huge push to just overall digital transformation of supply chain. And I think um, um, you know, it's just awesome to see for, for the art of the possible. Absolutely. And I couldn't agree more. And kind of, I'm glad you kind of ran us through them, you know, the, the each chain and tier of the supply chain, because when we think about digitalizing it, we often think just, you know, how uh, businesses and how it's leveraged industry wide. But I'm kind of interested to think about what this means for the buyer and the end customer. Um, I said earlier, um, a complete digital supply chain. And I don't really agree with that because it obviously there's a big human element. In, in the supply chain, you know, for, th for things to get from A to B, it is human, human input. So um, my question is, what does this mean for the 
buyer and the end consumer in terms of digitalizing the supply chain? If you think about what, what do buyers want at the end of the day, buyers want lower cost, they want visibility, they want predictability. Um, and, you know, I think lower cost can often be uh, correlated to efficiencies in the overall supply chain. So if you have a more efficient path for a vessel, if you can come up with more efficient fuel, if you can track things better, you will ultimately find efficiencies in the system. And that will ultimately mean lower cost to the end consumer. So that one's fairly straightforward uh, to figure out. I think on the visibility and predictability side, it gets more complicated because you really need an end-to-end -end point of view. And just to give you an example, right, one of my biggest pet peeves, and I, and I see this all the time, it happened to me last week, you know, where we're all sort of locked down with COVID, um, there's been a massive increase with online shopping. And a lot of times I will go online, I will look at an item that I want to buy, and rather than order it and have it shipped to my house, I like to go to the store, the local version of the store and pick it up. And sometimes I will look online and then we'll say, oh, there's four left, there's five left. And I'll go down to the store, I'll drive down to the store, I'll walk into the store, I'll go to the aisle, I'll talk to someone in the store, and they'll tell me there's none left. And I'll say, well, I was just online and said there were four left, and you're telling me there's none left. And this happens all the time. And well, why is that? It's because there's a disconnect between the inventory management and the e-commerce website and infrastructure. There's a disconnect between that and all of the back-end systems from the supply chain to the manufacturing to the transportation, there's a disconnect there. If not disconnected, then certainly it's all batch. So somebody bought four of those systems before I did, but it didn't get updated fast enough. And so what did I do? I wasted you know, an hour to go down to the store and come back with nothing. And so um, when you start to connect and when you start to provide a more real-time view of the information, these are the kinds of problems that you can solve and this is how you can actually provide customer outcomes and customer experience. And I think everybody can relate to that example. Um, you know, I think uh, we can talk about the recent um, ever given ship and you can imagine being stuck for seven days in the Suez Canal with, I don't know, $10 billion worth of material on board, how much that has impacted the downstream customers. Well, did the customers know, were they told, were they alerted? You know, if you had something that was relying on something on that ship, how soon were you told? What systems were re-pushed uh, uh, down a different path in order for you to get, you know, what you were purchasing, um, uh, you know, in a reasonable amount of time, whether it was delayed? Maybe you could do it in a way where it wasn't delayed. I mean, these are all the things that are possible when you, when you embrace uh, event-driven architecture and digital transformation with your supply chain. Yeah, and of course there you um, mentioned, obviously, the, the evergreen ship there. But also I want to think about the disruptions uh, maybe caused in the last year, such as COVID. Um, it, obviously, it's a huge topic and it really, really has disrupted the supply chains, the global supply chains. Um, but I want to kind of touch on the impact that COVID has had in, in kind of relation to the optimization of technology and the ad adoption of technology and how that kind of um, impacted enterprises. Yeah, it's a, COVID has been, a you know, obviously a, a difficult time for everybody, but it certainly has driven uh, digital transformation, drive to cloud, and certainly digital transformation specific to supply chain in a huge way. I, there's a couple of big macro topics here, and there's probably some technology topics, but on the macro side, I mean, given uh, the geopolitical climate in, you know, with China and, and given the, 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 the percentage of, of enterprises that rely on China, 
just just number one, I think COVID has driven a diversification of suppliers and almost creating redundancy in suppliers. And and so it's not easy for any enterprise to to spin up another supplier and and have that supplier working within the ecosystem of the overall supply chain. So, um, you know, when you think of technology, well, how can you how can you be agile enough to be able to spin up another supplier in another country and have it happen seamlessly such that it just was just like nothing. And I think that's a very difficult challenge. And we're seeing a lot of that in the supply chain. But I do think when you do take on an event driven architecture and you do uh, take on that pattern, by definition, it's decoupled. And the supply chain event mesh allows for you to bring on new uh, constituents and suppliers seamlessly. So they're just generating information as another entity. So that COVID has really driven uh, more and more suppliers coming online. And that's been a big challenge. So that's something we're actually helping customers with. The other area I would say is, is just, um, you know, you've watched certain companies that build perfume now build sanitizers, right? And so they, you know, overnight they switch from one product to another. And you can imagine... Um, how much of a challenge that has been in their systems um, in terms of tracking information and the entire supply chain. So that's another area where we're seeing um, a need. And in some ways, that's driving digital transformation. But in other ways, it's driving a need to track. Obviously, the importance of tracking sanitizers is way more important than maybe tracking perfumes, right? So how much sanitizers in what location when it's all a real-time problem. The other area is just around perishables. Uh, we know the Pfizer vaccine has uh, it requires a super super cold temperature to be transported and you know from what i've read and what i understand uh we're you know we're hearing a lot about you know a lot of times these temperatures are only being checked at at, at destinations through different hops in the supply chain and and this is driving a lot of conversations we're having about well track and trace how connected can you be can you track the temperature of this vaccine every minute along its path because if you wait an hour or two hours, there's a risk of losing a very, very important vital vaccine for the population and causing more delays. And so, you know, this track and trace of per perishable goods has become a hotter topic now than ever uh, in the supply chain. And it's being driven largely by the, the kind of the, the model of the vaccine. So there, you know, there's uh, there's a lot of different things um, that are happening um, because of COVID and, you know, a lot of it. It's, a lot of it is sort of seeded in, in some form of a digital transformation or acceleration in how we do things. Yeah, definitely. And in a previous question, you actually kind of mentioned um, data analytics. I was wondering if you had anything to mention on kind of predictive data analytics, because obviously we talk about disruptions now um, within the supply chain. And if we're looking on to the future, I mean, I know um, the vaccines in the UK are, are they're doing incredible. Obviously, that most adults have them now, I believe, which is amazing. So, you know, we're looking onto brighter things, but I was just wondering if um, you had some, anything to add on talking about kind of predicting these disruptions or anything further down the line. Yeah, I mean, analytics, uh, analytics has been around for a long time. And, and I think a lot of a lot of uh, companies have struggled with doing the right things with analytics. And 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 I would say that uh, there's been no shortage of, of companies collecting information. But when you collect information, that's that's only part of the problem. I think you have to you have to channel your information and your data into different different categories. Um, you know, with analytics, you need to define what is what is required for short term analytics, what is required for mid term and long term analytics. Short term analytics is really trying to to 
track disasters or anomalies or things that are happening that you don't expect because they're the things that have a very time sensitive nature to them. And if you don't categorize those data sets and you don't create the right correlations across those data sets to be able to detect what does a weather or wind mean to a ship in the Suez Canal? If you don't create those correlations, you won't be able to make those split decisions that will matter in the short term. So categorizing your data is super important. The midterm, long term is where you start to see predictive optimizations, efficiency. So, you know, like AI, you know, starting to play a big role in what patterns are happening in the business as usual or, you know, is there a, is there a quicker path this ship could take? Is there... Is there more information we could gather from the quality control data? You know, is there a pattern in the data? This is something that happens more on the midterm to longer term in your analytics uh, definition. So you have to be able to categorize those data sets slightly differently. And so having a sense on what are you trying to track short term? What are you trying to track long term? I think plays a big role in having success in analytics because there's no shortage of data. Everybody has a ton of data. The data is you know, growing exponentially every year. Um, but what you do with it and how you categorize it is key. Yeah, and you, you kind of touch on like the importance of data there. And I want to kind of ask that um, maybe in a bit of a wider scope question, kind of um, what are the strains and or are there any strains and pressures on supply chains to be um, digital? Considering you just mentioned kind of the importance of all this data and, and these you know digital transformations. Yeah, I would think, you know, like I said, a, a lot of uh, a lot of organizations are at a different point in their journey. So what's legacy to one is going to be different than than other. And, and I think the strains are, are often the systems, right? The systems are incredibly old. They're incredibly siloed. Um, and in some cases, the systems are not even digitized yet, meaning they're still paper. And, and when they're not paper, they're file. They're file based. And all of this is... Um, it's a massive challenge to overcome. And you have to sort of take it in a step-by-step -step approach. And, and this is why the journey to event-driven architecture, the journey to global connectivity and decoupling of information, you know, we, we build out a, uh, you know, we have a consultancy capability that really lays out a seven-step process that allows people to really start with the culture of the organization and then move to the systems of the organization, and then slowly but surely move to how do you bring certain systems online by picking just one part first. So maybe it's the supplier part. Let's digitize that part. And then let's move to the track and trace part. And how do you do it step by step so that you can actually, you can actually take on such a project and understand uh, how you get there? Um, so the pressure is really the the distributed systems, but the distributed companies involved. You don't control what's at the supplier end. And so you need ways to integrate those systems into your world. And that's not always easy. So um, I think the biggest strain and biggest barrier are just the systems and, and the technology that's there. And I think the good news is there are ways to overcome that. And that's a, that's a big part of what we're doing. Absolutely. And I just kind of wanted to follow on from that slightly thinking about um, maybe some challenges and some problems that are being faced within the supply chain. Um, but moving from COVID slightly and thinking about um, kind of efficiency and productivity within the supply chain, if there's anything you can kind of touch on there, maybe some problems um, that you've mentioned already, but just kind of expanding on that. Yeah, I mean, I think efficiencies is, uh, uh, efficiencies can only be drawn by, um, by visibility. 
And if you don't have the visibility, you can't you can't create any specific efficiencies. And and this is why I, I just keep going back to the uh, the connectivity piece. Um, and you can go through every part of your supply chain. If you have a supplier that's offline, if you have a ship that's offline, if you have uh, trucks on the road that are offline, then you really don't have the visibility into what's happening. And if you don't have the visibility, then how can you create the efficiencies? And and we you know we see this. You know, we see this across the board. We're working with a large company in, in China. I, I can't, I won't name the name, but they have a they have an initiative called Cargo Smart, which is, um, you know, it's a huge initiative. But their 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 only goal in life is to never have an empty container. That's it. Huge undertaking, but only to never have an empty container, which is significant cost savings for them and. And that's that's a huge efficiency for them, but it takes quite a bit of work to achieve that in the back end. So yeah, I go back to just connectivity uh, and visibility to drive the efficiencies required. Brilliant, thank you. And I guess as a final question, was there anything else you kind of wanted to add um, just to just to wrap up the podcast? No, well, not not really. I mean, thanks so much, Emily, for this. I think obviously supply chain is becoming a huge topic in the industry given what's happened with COVID, given what's happened with the Suez Canal, and just given the, the explosion in e-commerce and online shopping. I mean, all of that is driving customer outcomes more and more, and it's really driving most of the major retailers to rethink how they can tie that whole customer experience part to all of the backend systems. And, you know, we're just very excited to be in the middle of all of this and helping some of the global retailers uh, figure this out uh, worldwide. So, for sure, if uh, if anyone's looking to ask any more questions around supply chain or are having challenges or um, would like to hear more, feel free to reach out to me directly. Brilliant, yeah, and I think it's a good it's a good point to end on. Kind of um, the space of the supply chain is is really exciting, and it's it's just diversifying even more. And I think there's a lot of exciting things to come in the future. Um, even if you're just a consumer and you're not actually within the supply chain space, I mean. There's so many exciting things that are, that are going to happen. So, um, yeah, I'd like to end on that and just say thank you so much, Dennis, for joining us today. Um, I've really enjoyed our conversation. And I always like to say, you know, like you said, if, if anybody is interested and, and just enjoying the podcast, um, you know, reach out on LinkedIn, hang about and keep keep the conversation going because it's, it's in a really interesting space to be part of. So, um, yeah, once again, thank you, Dennis, uh, for joining us. I hope you have a brilliant day and um, I'll speak to you soon. Thanks so much, Emily. Anytime. My pleasure.